Alyssa. My pronouns are she and her. And my name is Maria. My pronouns are also she and her. Welcome to LGBT Cliff Notes. Um, This episode is about a man named Edward Carpenter and his book Mm. on gender and homosexuality in the late 19th century. Mm. Woohoo! Uh, I'm I'm forever interested in how people have perceived gender and sexuality throughout history. So I stumbled across a book published in 1908 called The Intermediate Sex, a study of some transitional types of men and women. Transitional. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. Um just reading the title and publication date, um I I did wince a little. I thought it was maybe going to be a difficult cringy read. Uh, hmm. but luckily, I was wrong. Kind of. Um it turns out that Edward Carpenter is a cool guy who wrote a bunch of cool stuff, and you definitely can't beat the flowery language of books written in the early 1900s, but the kind of comes in at the end of the episode. Uh, once I got a little further into the book, it did turn out to be shitty, just mm. not in the way that I first expected. So, ooh, big surprise mm. reveal. Uh, but before we get to that, because that's the end of the episode, uh, we're going to first talk about Edward Carpenter. As soon as I started reading uh, his book, The Intermediate Sex, I wanted context on who the author was. So I popped over to Wikipedia, as you do, uh, to find some facts to put Edward and his book in context. So he was born in 1844 in Sussex, England, and Wikipedia's single line description of him is very impressive. Uh, It says, quote, Edward Carpenter was an English utopian socialist poet, philosopher, anthologist, and an early activist for gay rights and prison reform whilst advocating vegetarianism and taking a stance against vivisection. The fucking slaps, though. Yeah, he had a lot going on. Pretty cool guy. Yeah, all that yeah. all that stuff is good stuff. I like all that mm. stuff. So, oh, oh, another thing um, for all you literature people out there. Edward Carpenter and one of his relationships was the inspiration for the novel Maurice by E.M. Forster, which I had heard of, but is now on my reading list. Okay, so Edward himself, his early life, he was not a great student as a kid. He did manage to go to college at the University of Cambridge, so that's pretty fancy. Like many of us, (laughs) this is when he started to explore his feelings for uh men Hmm. so he had a close friendship with another man at the university that carpenter describes as having quote a touch of romance so i don't know what that means but that's that's our first or i guess his first encounter with uh being kind of gay so was a pretty dapper guy. Uh, Maria, I'm going to link you to the Wikipedia article, and I just want you to, like, just look at the pictures on that. Tell me Mm. what you think of Edward Carpenter. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So, (laughs) I highly recommend checking out, because there... 
they're already old timey photos, which are cool as fuck. And he's just like yeah. dressed very nicely. And yeah, he's he's definitely a well-dressed dapper kind of guy. OK, so in 1874, when he was 30 years old, he became a lecturer for the university extension movement, which I think is just so cool. The university extension movement had the lofty goal of bringing adult education to people who were unable to attend college, which is Hell a yeah. super cool goal of them. Yeah. And as I immediately, you know, so I had I had two thoughts about this. I was like, oh, man, this is great. You know, you're going around England bringing education to people. But then like the other side of me that has actually lectured and at colleges for people who are actually paying to go there. I'm like, oh, no, no one's going to want to do this. They're going to hate it. <laughs> Unfortunately, the the second one turns out to be true. Uh, so Edward taught astronomy, music, and the lives of ancient Greek women. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I tried to find more about his interest in ancient Greek women. Because that sounds super cool. Yeah. But my admittedly quick search didn't turn up anything. Mm. He wrote dozens of books, so I'm hoping one of them talks about the lives of ancient Greek women. But I don't know. I'll keep you updated. <laughs> it's fair. That's yeah. totally fair. So, unfortunately, it was mostly the middle class that attended his lectures. And Edward had hoped to instead inspire working class people with his teachings on astronomy and music. They were probably all too exhausted and sick from working like 16 hour days um, yeah. to attend. But even worse, apparently the middle class attendees didn't really seem that interested in his lectures. So he was very sad and he moved around a bit and lectured at other towns and finally managed to fulfill his dream of being in contact with manual laborers. Um, and I, I sort of in the beginning wondered about this aspect because I also uh, sort of have this feeling of like, oh, yeah, you know, we got to educate the people that are like working at fast food restaurants they're you know i'm sure they'd love to learn about astronomy and i'm like no they would actually just like you know a, a 15 dollars minimum wage and to only work 40 hours a week mm -hmm. maybe but some apparently, <laughs> uh yeah so many things so many things yes. um but very low on the list is lectures about astronomy yeah sadly. so Edward's fascination with the working class was not quite on that same level. Doesn't seem to be entirely altruistic. Mm. Apparently, he had a particular attraction to working men. And there's a couple wonderful quotes. Quote, <laughs> the grimy and oil besmeared figure of a stoker. <laughs> or, quote, <laughs> oh my god, I <laughs> it's it's good. The thick thighed, hot, coarse fleshed young bricklayer with a strap around his waist. <laughs> so Edward had a type. I, he I I know I make this joke a lot, but this time there literally is no heterosexual explanation for this. <laughs> it's I mean Thick-thighed, hot, yeah. coarse-fleshed young bricklayer. 
I love how evocative that is, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. His writing is ooh, it's 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 good. Um, And yeah, it is. I, I mm. know exactly what he's talking about. Um, And if and it doesn't even say uh, that it's necessary. I mean, I know in his case it was necessarily a male bricklayer, but it works for mm. everyone because I can imagine my own thick thigh <laughs> female bricklayer. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so <laughs> moving we're on. We're going to just ignore that last part. That's fine. Yeah, we're going to... Uh, <laughs> okay, so I did kind of look around for the source of the, those quotes, um, and while doing so, I found an amazing phrase that I had never heard. Apparently, Edward Carpenter was a Uranian poet. And that um, was, was a term that was used to describe a small group of gay poets who published works between 1858 and 1930. And I do want to say that this like all comes around at the end. So the the origin of uh, Uranian and Uranian poets, we do get to again, it's like it's going to be in the very last part of the episode. But I talk about that more. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> so but right now I love it, it already gives us another great way to covertly ask whether someone is gay. You can just be like, are they uh, are they in, like a fan of uh, Uranian poets? <laughs> yeah. OK, <laughs> so um, back to Edward's life. When his dad died, Edward was left an absurd amount of money, uh, the equivalent of what would be 500 million pounds today. So much money. So much money. So he quit his lectureship. Uh, makes sense to me. And yeah. began living a quiet life on a small farm with a scythe maker named Albert. <laughs> uh, they later moved a few miles south, started a small market garden and made leather sandals to sell, um, which is great. That sounds like a great life. Uh, yeah. Uh, although I don't like with half a million euros. Do you really need to make sandals to sell? I am not, not even euros pounds. Yeah. I, I mean, hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it, it's something like, like, like basically just like a hobby to keep the hands busy or whatever. I pardon the wording. Well, but <laughs> I mean, that's a good question. Why the hell would you work if you didn't have to? That's really good wording. Um, and it took me a second, too. I'm, I'm the worst. Um, <laughs> so I, I think it might have something to do with this next fact. Um, Edward also joined the local socialist organization. So sort uh. of throughout his works and everything, I, I do get the sense that even though he was into scythe makers and bricklayers, he also had like these ideals about, I don't know, I guess building leather sandals that are well made for the working class i i don't know i don't know the full story but mm, <laughs> so unfortunately the wikipedia entry gets kind of vague about the gay details in the next stage of his life and i didn't dig into more sources uh but here are the highlights so it's noted that edward and albert are lovers in 1883 when they were selling leather sandals. <laughs> then apparently Edward moved on in 1886. He was in a, quote, tender relationship with a razor grinder named George. <laughs> then in 1888, I, I want to know, these are all like two or three years apart. In 1888, mm. 
Edward lived with a man named Cecil, whose dream was to establish a school for boys based on socialist principles. Hmm. Cecil was gay, but there is no note on whether he was in a romantic relationship with Edward, who was 14 years older than him, which I find gross. But I know at the time, and I guess honestly still right now, is like a perfectly acceptable age gap because... I don't know. I I disagree with anyone that thinks that's fine. Uh, Okay, Mm -hmm. so in then three years later, 1891, he met a working class man named George who had no formal education and was 22 years younger than Edward. (sighs) Mm hmm. Hmm. But not not a child at the time, luckily. Um, So Mm. George had worked variously at a newspaper office, a hotel and an ironworks. Um, so I, I definitely got the sense that he was, you know, a little, didn't really have serious skills in anything, was just kind of taking what jobs needed doing. He, you know, he had been born in slums. So, uh, but luckily, uh, Edward really liked George. And when Edward's housekeeper retired, George moved into Edward's house and took care of the cooking and cleaning including decorating and placing flowers in every room. Aw, that owns. So after all of these, like all this serial monogamy, every two or three years switching, Edward and George remained together for almost 40 years, living openly as a couple until George died. Damn. And then five months after George died, Edward suffered a paralytic stroke and died a year later. Wait for it. It's Edward was buried beside George. Their gravestone notes their relationship with the carved line, George Merrill, about 40 years with Edward Carpenter. (laughs) I, I know that it is lacking in like, it, it doesn't even say lived with. It's just mm. about 40 years with. But that's that's better than a lot of people were doing. So yeah. I also want to point out that the fact they were living openly as a couple is remarkable. I to yeah. put it in context while they were together. Oscar Wilde was being put on trial for being gay and men who had sex with other men were being given harsh prison sentences. Um, and I don't know all the details. It might just be because Edward was upper class and had money to throw around. But yeah, they lived openly as a couple. That's very cool. Very cool of them. So, okay, that is all I'm going to talk about Edward's life. And now that we've got that, let's go back to his book, The Intermediate Sex. Uh, because the language is so it's so amazing. Um, I'm going to have several quotes from the book. I could have summed them up in simpler words, but Edward's writing is great and one million times better than anything I could say and very clear. So, I, I, yeah, just pulled from them. passage from the beginning of the book that helped orient me to what more enlightened thinkers believed about the intermediate sex at the turn of the 19th century. Mm -hmm. So, quote, 
If the modern woman is a little more masculine in some ways than her predecessor, the modern man, it is to be hoped, is a little more sensitive in temperament and artistic in feeling. It is beginning to be recognized that the sexes do not or should not normally form two groups hopelessly isolated in habit and feeling from each other, but that they rather represent the two poles of one group, which is the human race. That owns. Holy <laughs> shit, that owns. I know. It's so when was weird. this published? 1908. Holy shit. Yeah. It's it's wonderful. Um, this made me very happy. Totally agree with it. I was like, oh, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. Turns out not to be as amazing as that quote was, but you know, that whatever. That quote's great. So mm. another amazing quote clarifies just how much Edward sees gender as a spectrum. Nature, it might appear, in mixing the elements which go to compose each individual does not always keep her two groups of ingredients, which represent the two sexes, apart, but often throws them crosswise in a somewhat baffling manner, now this way and now that. <laughs> God, that's... It's such a good way to describe it's so it. It's like It's Yeah, it is. And I, as I read this, I'm thinking about it the way you are right now. Um, and unfortunately... I later I, I know what Edward actually believes from later things. Um, and unfortunately, he's not as cool as that passage in isolation oh. makes it seem. But again, that passage in isolation in all by itself. Very cool. Yeah. B big, big fan of that. So uh, another very cool thing. I'm I'm just fill up your bank with all the really good quotes before I get to the shitty part okay. of Edward. <laughs> so Edward also feels the need to touch on the close relationship between love and friendship. I know this isn't directly related to gender, but this is a concept I 100% buy into. And I was delighted to read about it in a book from the 1900s. Mm. Okay, quote, as people are beginning to see the sexes form, in a certain sense, a continuous group. So they are beginning to see that love and friendship, which have been so often set apart from each other as things distinct, are in reality closely related and shade imperceptibly into each other. It is recognized that from the one extreme of a platonic friendship generally between persons of the same sex, up to the other extreme of passionate love, generally between persons of opposite sex, no hard and fast line can at any point be drawn effectively separating the different kinds of attachment. We know of friendships so romantic in sentiment that they verge into love. We know of loves so intellectual and spiritual that they hardly dwell in the sphere of passion. I, I'm a big, I, I wow. guess, maybe, I, I, I actually don't know how popular this idea is, but I definitely believe that people set way too much of a, uh, you know, that line that I don't feel can be drawn effectively mm. between, okay, this is a romantic relationship and this is a friendship. Like, I think there is a difference. I think you can tell when you are more romantically 
or yeah. if you're sexual she- sexually inclined towards someone but like the the actual like love part like we have so many kinds of love and i think that we really should appreciate more that friends can fill in the love gap as well yeah often better than an actual partner <laughs> i can agree with that yeah. yeah yeah so okay now now we're really going to get into what edward means when he talks about the intermediate sex mm. uh first we're gonna do that little um aside on uranian poets Mm-hmm. And the way that leads in is Edward references this guy, Carl Ulrichs, who wrote pamphlets on the subject of the intermediate sex in the mm-hmm. late 1860s. So Ulrichs, also a cool guy. In 1862, 1862, when he was 37, he came out to his family. What? In 1862? So not only that, but like he didn't he didn't even there were, I think, a lot of people that felt bad, like uh, that guy Cecil that Edwards founded the Socialist Boys School with like Mm. Cecil struggled. It is like noted prominently with being homosexual. But Ulrichs, no, he Mm. believed the love of a man for another man was natural and biological. And he wrote a bunch of pamphlets about it. So he also coined terms for describing different sexual orientations. So a man who desires men is Uranian. A man who desires women is Dionian. And then he also actually had terms for gay women that I I was shocked by. I'm so used to being ignored. Um, A woman who desires women is Uranianin, just an extra I-N on the end, Uranianin, and mm-hmm. a woman who desires men is Dionianin. Um, and also in the like inclusivity, he did also include bisexuals. Nice. So yeah, I know. There's like I'm impressed. Um so male seen. bisexuals are Uranodionian, female <laughs> bisexuals are Uranodionianin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That fucking slaps. Hell yeah. Oh my god. Uran- How does it feel to be Uranodionian in? <laughs> that shit's going on my Twitter the second we hit cut. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Yeah, I... <laughs> what a word. So, those are rough translations to English. Uh, Carl was Austrian, so the original terms are actually earning, earning in, dioning, dioning in which is why it's like a little bit more of a mouthful in English, but it is very accepted that earning translates uh, directly to Uranian. So you can work it out. Yeah, but Uranodionian. And <laughs> yeah, I, I, so I, I, I do. I just by looking at that word, I can tell he's literally just put the German feminine suffix in at the end of the oh, male one. Oh, OK, OK, OK. Nice. OK. Yeah, that makes sense. I I figured it was something like that. That's why there was a... So, yeah, we could probably throw an E at the end, so it would be Uranian or Uranian. But, yeah, I, whatever. It's, yeah. it's a rough translation. Do whatever you want. But it is... Fair. It is... Although it is a mouthful, it is fun to say, yeah. Uranodionian. <laughs> What? Oh. Okay, so 
<laughs> Ulrich's eventually expanded his system of terms. So Dionian only applied to straight men who were also masculine. And mm. then Dionian only applies to straight women who are also feminine. He came up with several more terms for various types of male homosexuality, like <laughs> manling is a masculine man who desires effeminate men. Um, and a link, I, I put a link in the show notes to the Wikipedia article that has all of these terms. But of course, he didn't bother to break down the various kinds of female homosexuality. But hey, at least he considered gay women and bisexuals. So I, I guess because I, I'm used to having absolutely nothing, it's nice to even be... <sighs> in there but i was really i was very excited for a second because i saw the section where it was broken down and yeah like <laughs> in if you go to the wikipedia article it has after them in parentheses like <laughs> that whatever term correlates to a queen and whatever term mm. cor yeah so i was excited for the female one but no it's just men. No. anyway one final cool fact about carl it was a letter addressed to him that first used the term homosexual. <gasps> yeah, yeah. The letter was sent by, oh, 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 and this is extra good. The man who sent the letter, mm -hmm. who coined the term homosexuality, was named Carl Maria <sighs> Kurt Benny. Yeah. So Carl Maria was another Austrian. Uh, he sent mm -hmm. the letter in 1868. And then the next year... Carl Maria published the term, hoping to replace uh, the pejorative sodomite and pederast, which were the common terms in use at the time for homosexual men. And I guess, I mean, I don't know, there's probably some body of literature on this, but he, to some extent, succeeded. Like, I certainly don't hear sodomite anymore, but I feel like gay has become the new sodomite, where people use that as a pejorative term so mm. whatever we need a new word again yeah. uh, okay so unfortunately this is where i explain why this episode is a little short i had initially thought that a book called the intermediate sex a study of some transitional types of men and women would be about transgender people mm. i you know that would be great i would love to hear about transgender people from the view of someone turn of the 19th century but no mm. apparently and it was so disappointing when i got to this and i i almost couldn't believe what i was reading but the intermediate sex is instead about people who and this is this is the term that they use from the book born with a male body but a female soul or a female body and a male <clears throat> soul and okay, I read that. I'm like, yes, totally on board. You'd still think that that definition is for transgender people, right? Like, yes, you got a male body, but you're actually, you know, a woman. Like, okay, yeah, transgender. <sighs> no? Yes. Uh, uh, mm, mm, mm. There's an episode behind that. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. It's, well, I mean, it's not it inaccurate, would... but it, uh, there's asterisks, I think. Okay. Would well, be no, what no, I would no, say. no, no, no. I do think... I do see inaccuracies, but considering it from being a book from 1908, yeah. as I was reading that, I was like, okay, yeah, a woman in a man's body, man in a woman's body. Okay. Transgender. Like, yeah, from it. That's yeah, that's what I would. That's what I had initially assumed. So I was very confused 
but eventually it became clear that instead uh, this is the way Edwards and and some other people, Ulrich even, described homosexuality. So that is they um a gay man is a female soul in a male body and because he has a female soul he's attracted to other men and has quote unquote female temperament. Mm. Um so it 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 actually took me a little bit because I was so stuck in thinking that he was talking about transgender people that I was like I don't know where this is going and I had to reread it a few times ago. Oh shit, he's just okay. And that's that's kind of where I had to stop reading and, Mm -hmm. you know, felt a little bit worse about Edward. I'm going to give one shitty quote that was like one of the last, you know, basically the point where I stopped. Um, Mm -hmm. Quote, if we take the general mental characteristics, it appears from almost universal testimony that the male tends to be of a rather gentle emotional disposition with defects, if such exist, in the direction of subtlety, evasiveness, timidity, vanity, etc. The female, meaning the gay female, is just the opposite. Fiery, active, bold, and truthful, with defects running to brusqueness and coarseness. So hey, Edward, uh, fuck you. I thought you were smart, and instead, you go and uphold some bullshit about gender roles and gay people having these, like, super specific personalities. It, I, it was very upsetting. Like, I mean, I did actually, yeah, stop reading. I, I sort of skimmed over other things, um... And if if that quote, I don't know, maybe maybe that was a mistake. But if that didn't totally turn me off of reading the book when I was skimming, I also saw. Oh, my God. I also saw that he discusses, quote, what may be called the extreme and exaggerated types of the intermediate sex. And then the more normal and perfect types And it is what you'd expect. Edward did have many forward-thinking views. Like, there are still parts of this that are good. But Mm -hmm. he was pretty stuck in the really unfortunate mentality that some people still have today. That certain types of gay men and gay women are more acceptable and more attractive Mm -hmm. than others. And uh, in particular, the type that isn't too extreme... Like, I I don't want to read another quote on this topic, but he does go into it more. And Mm -hmm. he... I guess suffice to say he's really shitty about men who are too effeminate and women Mm. who are too masculine. I mean, what? Well, it's not hard to not be a gatekeeping asswipe. All you have to do is mind your own fucking business. It's that easy. It's that easy. And he started out so good in the beginning. Like, I was so clearly going to be this beautiful thing about how, yeah, there was this cool guy and maybe some of his friends that believed gender was a spectrum. in 1908 but yeah it it got bad i still love those early quotes they're still good quotes yeah we'll just take them out of context um because yeah they're amazing okay so yeah that's upsetting fine edward was still a pretty cool guy if we ignore that and i do want to end on a happy note so i'm going to read one last quote also anytime i come across any gay women i have to like or gay penguins as it were i have to like talk about them because i i feel like gay men are so much more represented than gay women i'm like i'm gonna represent 
so many, so many cases, so many stories about gay women. So Edwards references a case study from the psychiatrist Richard Freiherr von Kraft Ebbing um, from 1886. So Kraft Ebbing's book, Psychopathia Sexualis, has 238 case histories of human sexual behavior. And obviously, I'm not a big fan of homosexuality being categorized as a pathology, uh, but the given case study makes my gay heart happy. And I'm sure like a lot of because they seem to be talked about in actually fairly clinical terms and skipping over derogatory language. I bet that book is full of just like very cute stories about women and men being super gay. (laughs) That's going to be a lot of them. Mm. It's just unfortunate that it's got to have got to be named psychopathia sexualis. All right. So case study. Last thing. Kraft Ebbing of Vienna gives the case of a lady who they call A, 28 years of age, who fell deeply in love with a younger one. B, I loved her divinely, she said. They lived together and the union lasted four years, but was then broken by the marriage of B. A suffered in consequence from frightful depression, but in the end, though without real love, got married herself. Her depression, however, only increased and deepened into illness. The doctors... (laughs) The doctors, when consulted, said that all would be well if she could only have a child. The husband who loved his wife sincerely, could not understand her enigmatic behavior. She was friendly to him, suffered his caresses, but for days afterwards remained dull, exhausted, plagued with irritation of the spine, and nervous. Presently, a journey of the married pair led to another meeting with the female friend who had now been wedded, also unhappily, for three years. (laughs) Both ladies trembled with joy and excitement (laughs) as they fell into each other's arms and were thenceforth inseparable. The man found that this friendship relation was a singular one, and hastened the departure. When the opportunity occurred, he convinced himself from the correspondence between his wife and her (coughs) friend (coughs) that their letters were exactly like those of two lovers. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's actually, now that I'm thinking about it again, it is maybe not that happy of a story because they lived apart, but also they were like clearly very super gay and being... I don't know. I guess the happy part is that they were clearly very super gay. Um, mm. And then there's bad stuff surrounding that. But yeah, you know. but still, yeah. that's a cute story. You can't it take is. that away from us. Yeah, it is. I'm going to focus on the good parts, not yes. the being forced to marry people they don't love. Parts. Yeah. L- l- yeah. Less of that. Yeah. <laughs> so that is that episode. Oh, thank you. No, that, that was a lot of I, I enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I I really I had hoped and wished that I would get to learn about 
a bunch of transgender people from mm. 1908. Um, but all right, there were there was some good to be found, even if overall it turned out the book was not what I wanted. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. that's research. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's also just like reading books. Sometimes you you read a book and you're like, oh, this is going to be great. And then you get like 7% in and there's like a really graphic description of like rape. And you're like, why? Mm. Why is this here? <laughs> I wanted to read this. Um, yeah. OK, so that's that's all. All right. Cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll see you next time. Thanks yeah. for listening. Yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs>